They were a peaceful people and somehow couldn't stand the thought of executing their only criminal. The answer was to discover a hero from yesterday by Robert Silverberg. That's next on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast with at least one lost vintage sci-fi short story in every episode. Time for another time travel tale from the December 1957 issue of Imagination Stories of Science and Fantasy, we'll find our story on page 74. If you can't stand the idea of executing a criminal, find somebody who will. Hero from Yesterday by Robert Silverberg. The day Lugert's criminals gunned down three citizens in a bold, broad daylight robbery, Dominus Carson third speaker of the council said, I think I've got the answer. Answer? To what? asked Mergen Durrell, fourth speaker. To Lugert, said Carson. The weapon we can use against that throwback who's terrorizing us all. Durrell sighed wearily. There is no answer to Lugert, I'm afraid. We're peaceful people. He's a throwback to a more violent age. There's no way to cope with him. Would you want to be the one to shoot him down? Carson shuddered and said, No, not me. Of course not. I'm no more capable of violence than anyone else. But Lugert can be stopped. We can get help. From where? From the past, said Carson. From the ugly, crime-ridden world we've evolved out of. Dr. Lawrence of the Science Council has developed a time net which, of course, Dorell exclaimed. Bring a man out of the past. A man who won't be inhibited by our innate hatred of violence. A man who will be able to deal with Lugert as he deserves. He rose and strode around the long council room in quick, nervous steps. Call Lawrence, Carson. Get him at work on the project at once. We can't waste any more time. There's no telling when Lugert might... The visiphone chimed three times. Carson crossed the room and depressed the receiving stud. On the screen, the features of a thick-faced stocky man appeared. Lugert, what do you want? I'm pleased you recognize me so quickly, Speaker Carson, said the stocky man in a slow, deep voice. My fame must be spreading, then. You didn't call to chat with us, Lugert. What is it you want? Lugert's face hardened slowly. You're right. I didn't call to chat. I called to tell you to get out. What's that? I said, get out. Pack up your records and papers and clear out of the government building, Carson. You and all the rest of you. I'm taking over. Carson paled. Taking over the government? How far do you think you can go, Lugert? Again, the confident, cheerful, steel-hard grin that had become the Lugert trademark in such an astonishingly brief time. How far? Why, Carson, I can go as far as I like. There isn't one of you who dare say no to anything I ask. And now I'm asking for the government. Go ahead. Refuse. Get indignant. Threaten me. All this easy winning bores me, Carson. 
Carson stared at the thick-featured face framed by the visa screen. You've won again, he said after a pause. We can't fight you, Luger. How much time do we have to evacuate the government building? How much do you need? Carson thought for a moment. A week, at least. Is that all right? One week. No more, Lugert agreed. My men and I will come up to take over things at noon on 7 September. He chuckled. <laughs> 7 September, 2531. A day to go down in history, eh, Carson? He broke the contact. Carson turned from the dead screen and looked at Speaker Durrell. Well, there's our ultimatum, he said. One week to get out, and then Lugert takes over. That means we'll have to move fast, said Durrell. You'd better call Dr. Lawrence. Only a week. Carson was already busy punching out Lawrence's code number on the visiphone. When the scientist appeared, Carson quickly sketched out the situation as it stood. Lawrence's eyes widened when Carson told of Lugert's threat. Then the speaker went on to outline the part Lawrence and his time net would play in the attempt to defeat Lugert. I'll see what I can do, Lawrence promised. I'll try to find the man you're looking for. Can you do it in two days or less? I hope so, Lawrence said. It took two days. Then Lawrence rang the office of the council and told Carson, It's worked. The time net? You've got the man? I have. I'll bring him right over. Lawrence entered the council room a while later, followed by a tall, thin, lean-faced man, dressed in archaic clothing. Carson's heart thumped excitedly. Here was the man, he thought. Here was the hero from yesteryear, who had put an end to the threat Lugert represented. This is Speaker Carson and Speaker Durrell of our governing council, Lawrence said. The man from the past nodded curtly. You can call me Jack. His voice was cold, flat, with a curious twang of regional accent in it. The vowel pronunciation was odd, as was to be expected. Carson eyed the hard-faced stranger. He didn't seem to have an ounce of fat on him. He looked tough, uncompromising. I think you'll do, he said, after a moment's study. You've got the stuff. Thanks, Jack said in a wry voice. Suppose you line the program out for me now. Give me the picture. Tell me what I'm here for. Carson frowned. You're here to help us, because we're helpless ourselves. Did Dr. Lawrence tell you what the characteristics of this world are? He said a few things. You fill me in. It's three hundred years since we last had a war of any sort. Crime had been extinct a hundred fifty years, until Lugert. Lugert. I heard of him. Who is he? He's the man you're going to kill for us, Carson said bluntly. The man named Jack grinned. Ah, oh, a rub-out job. I think that's the term, said Carson. Lugert's a throwback, a man out of the past, a man out of your time, suddenly reborn in our era for God knows what reason. He's cold and hard and utterly ruthless. Nothing stops him. We're powerless. The compulsion against violence is too strong in us. 
Just a bunch of patsies, Jack said. Lugert snaps a whip and you all lie down and play dead when he says so. That it? It took Carson a few moments to digest the strange idioms. Finally, he said, right. He began small with petty thefts and burglaries. He took anything he wanted. Then he began branching out. He compelled a scientist to create a serum for him that would instill absolute loyalty to him and anyone who took it. Using that serum, he's built up a band of henchmen who shares his violent ways. Two days ago, he decided to make the ultimate grab for power. He ordered us to evacuate the government building and let him take over. And you said yes, Jack remarked. What else could we do? But we have a weapon. You. You share Lugert's way of life. We don't. We can strike at him indirectly through you. You want me to kill this Lugert. What's in it for me? What? I said, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it besides the risk of a punctured hide? I don't do these things for my health, Carson. Carson thought about that for a moment. Of course, there would have to be some reward, wouldn't there? Well, what would you want? We can supply virtually anything if you'll do the job properly. Osmeridium? Sapphires? Books? Women? The man named Jack shook his head. Gold, he said. Carson was startled. Gold? But why would you want... Oh, very well. Gold was the reigning object of value in your day, wasn't it? Would twenty-five pounds be enough? The man from the past smiled unwarmly. Quite enough, he said. You got yourself a deal. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The man named Jack cautiously approached the big building that served as headquarters for Lugert, until the time when he would move into the sprawling area of the government building. Jack wore modern clothes. His own shabby ancient ones were carefully stored away in a laboratory closet. His hair was close-cropped in the current fashion, but inside his skull was the mind of a twentieth-century man, and hidden in the folds of his vest, was a twentieth-century automatic, a snub-nosed thirty-eight, ready to spit death. The day was 5 September 2531. He had been in this strange world of the future three days, and if all went well, he would return to his own time today. 
He had spent the three days studying the approach to Lugert's headquarters, familiarizing himself with the layout, readying himself for the killing that had to be done. He was thinking, funny old duck, that Carson. They all are. Imagine letting someone like Lugert push them all over the place because all the fight's been bred out of them. Well, in 600 years, a lot could happen. He shrugged. It wasn't his business to worry about the doings of his remote descendants. His business was to kill. He knew that Lugert's personal suite was on the eighth floor of the building, that he was guarded by one man outside the door, one at the elevator entrance, and several in the lobby. He didn't have to worry about the ones in the lobby. He didn't really have to worry about any of them on the way in. They wouldn't be expecting anyone dangerous. The only dangerous people in this world were Lugert and his henchmen, and they'd probably be off guard when he came by. His forearm itched where Lawrence had inserted the sliver of metal. The old scientists had been very apologetic. I'm sorry, Jack, but we have to do this. We can't risk having another Lugert. This is to make sure you don't get delusions of power once you've finished off Lugert. What do you mean? I mean we can control you hypnotically through this generator I'm embedding in your arm, just in case you decide not to go back to your own time when you're through here. Don't worry, I wouldn't want to run this place. But he couldn't blame them for being cautious. Not at all. They'd be even more helpless before him than they would be under Lugard, after all. He drew near the big building. The guard in front said, Who are you and where are you going? Jack made his voice as subservient-sounding as he could. He said, I'm from Speaker Carson. I'd like to see Lugard. The guard frowned. How come Carson didn't just phone the boss? Beats me, Jack said. Must be top secret. The guard frowned at Jack's strange language, shrugged, and sent him on in. He passed rapidly through the lobby and reached the elevator. A guard inside the elevator wanted to know where he was going. I'm from Speaker Carson, he said. I have an urgent message to deliver to Lugert. The guard held out his hand. Let's have it. I'll take it up to him. The boss doesn't like to meet strangers. Smiling coldly, Jack fumbled in his pocket and withdrew the thirty-eight. It fired once. The silencer muffled the sound down to a squirt. A neat hole appeared in the elevator operator's head. Still smiling, Jack pressed eight and waited for the door to close. Three minutes and two killings later, he stood outside the office of Lugard himself. The elevator was clear now and the floor was empty of henchmen. That would make the getaway easier, Jack thought. He knocked. Who's there? A voice growled. Mr. Lugert? Yeah, who's there, and what do you want? Urgent message from Speaker Carson, sir. Very important that I see you, Mr. Lugert. After a considerable pause, the door swung open. Lugert stood there wearing a glittering plastic robe. He hadn't shaved. He was short and squat and fierce-looking. Jack smiled and drew the gun. Please step inside and keep your hands in the air, he said quietly. 
and don't make a fuss. This gun happens to kill people when it goes off. Lubert stepped back. Jack noticed the man didn't seem frightened and wondered whether it was because Lugert just didn't believe another man could possibly offer danger, or because Lugert was without fear. He said, I've killed three of your henchmen. I'm figuring on killing you now. Speaker Carson is paying me to do it, Lugert. Quietly, Lugert said, Who are you? Where'd you come from? You can call me Jack. You don't know me. I can see there's a toughness about you, Lugert said. You're like me. I didn't think there were any others like me in the world. Where did Carson find you? In the past, Lugert. In yesterday. He dredged me up from the 20th century. There were lots like you and me then, Lugert. For the first time, fear showed in Lugert's face. A driblet of perspiration snaked down the side of his fleshy jaw. Paler than he had been before, he said, From the past, then, then you really can kill me. Jack nodded. I'm going to. Carson's paying me twenty-five pounds of gold for it. Gold? But that stuff's worthless. You can find it anywhere. What do you want gold for? In my time, said Jack, the stuff wasn't so common. It was worth plenty. Times change. A crafty glint showed in Lugert's eyes. You're just a hired killer, then. A man without conscience. Suppose I offer you thirty pounds of gold not to kill me. Fifty pounds. A hundred. The generator in Jack's arm twitched warningly. He knew Carson and Lawrence were listening in. No, he said. There's no percentage in it. You don't have the time, Ned. You can't send me back to my own time. I'll stick with their offer. No, look, we can be partners. You're the kind of man I can get to like, Jack. We'll work together, you and me, fifty-fifty, and even split. Again, the generator twitched. Jack sighed. Sorry, Lugert. Can't do it. I made an agreement, and I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to kill you. Sweat streamed down Lugert's face. It's not fair, he said. I had this world under my thumb, and then they had to find you somewhere. Why? Why'd they have to mess everything up? Sorry, Lugert. It's just a lousy break for you, Jack said emotionlessly. This is the way it's gonna be. No, Lugert yelled. Jack raised the thirty-eight. Lugert threw up his hands as if to protect himself. But Jack's finger tightened anyway. The gun went squirt. Lugert toppled heavily to the floor. He lay there on the heavy pile rug, his blood spilling out and staining the brown carpet a deep red. Jack looked at him calmly. Then he turned and left the room. The floor was still empty. Quietly, he got into the untended elevator, rode it to the lobby, and stepped out into the street. The whole job had taken ten minutes. Ten minutes and four killings, and he hadn't even raised a sweat. 
Durrell and Carson and Dr. Lawrence were waiting for him in the council room of the government building when he got back. Great work, Carson said. He looked pale and shaken. We watched the whole thing over the transmitter Lawrence built into you. Every step. It, uh, it was well done. Thanks, Jack said. Is the gold ready? Lawrence handed him a heavy satchel. It's here. Twenty-five pounds, plus five pounds extra for your cooperation. Thanks again, Jack said. Glad to be of help. He didn't mention the moments when he wavered, when he had nearly gone over to Lugert's side. Probably would have if it hadn't been for the generator planted in his arm. He wondered briefly how it would have been living here with all these quiet philosophical types. He said, I suppose you're going to send me back to my own time now. Lawrence nodded. The four of them went to Lawrence's office and Jack climbed back into the elaborate harness. Lawrence bustled around him, making adjustments carefully. We want to gauge this thing to the minute, you know, he explained. No mistakes. I appreciate the care, Jack said. He held tightly to his satchel. We owe you a tremendous debt of gratitude, Carson said. A debt that no satchel of gold could ever repay. You've done us a great service. You're a hero, Jack. A savior of humanity. We'd never have beaten Luger without you. Ready to go, Lawrence said. He threw the switch. Time began to swirl around the killer from the past. As 2531 started to fade away from him, he grinned for the last time and said, Imagine that. Me, a hero. I like that. Me, John Dillinger, a savior of humanity. And then he was gone. Tomorrow, on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast, a week of scary stories for Halloween begins. It seemed to be human, but it was inside out, all its organs exposed, the heart beating, the lungs breathing, the stomach digesting. And now, the thing began to come toward him, its mouth working hideously. The Thing Behind Hell's Door by Robert Silverberg. That's tomorrow on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast. <laughs>